You are a storyteller, stealing moments to create worlds. You thrive on pouring your creative spirit into your words. Great storytelling demands the best of you until every scene and character come to life. But there's more to the story biz than just being a great storyteller. You have to be a story seller. So how are fiction authors like us marketing our books and getting the stories we believe in out to the public? We're Chris and Brock, and this is the Story Biz Podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Chris and Brock here with the Story Biz Podcast once again. Uh, today, we, well, we're here to talk about everything from storytelling to <laughs> story selling. That's it. I gave you your space. Last, I love it. last, last episode, I forgot to do that. Yeah, so you, st- you stomped on it. I didn't I did. It. Sorry about that. <laughs> I've man. been practicing, Chris. Your moment to shine there. It worked. But hey, today, actually, we do get to talk a little bit more. Uh, we were stepping away from some of the storytelling stuff a bit. And we're actually talking about the story selling part, specifically with a publisher who you've worked really closely with, uh, Linda Howard. Yeah, yeah, real blessing. So tell me about Linda Howard. And, and, and you know, this may, at first, this topic uh, that we're going to be talking about might seem yeah. a little bit out of our wheelhouse. Like we're, we're primarily going to be talking about stuff that's like novel building, world building, all that kind of stuff, right? So the larger stories. And so if you're uh, writing a novel, our podcast is normally going to be the spot where you're going to find a lot of resources there. This one, yep. we the first half, this is actually going to be a two-parter, right? So, yep, and so, I think it'll eventually be several more parts we need to record because we didn't even get to where we wanted to go, but it was such good content. It was like, let it flow, right? Like, we want right. to have that space. We learned some really great stuff. So, yeah, you know, with, with Linda, and I think you and I talked about this earlier, is you and I both have picture books. Like, we right. also have long-form middle-grade novels. And the thing is, what we talked about, Linda, about is the first episode you're going to hear here is about board books and picture books. So, you know, if that's not for you, Maybe don't listen, but I would say yes, you should listen because maybe you're, you've got all oh, great ideas, but you don't have a 90,000-word novel in you yet. Or maybe this is your audience. Maybe you've got kids or grandkids at home, and you're like, I want to write something for them. So what I would do is listen to this, and we really kind of go into the depth of what is the difference between a board book and a picture book. We break that out. But we also talk a little about story. Like, what should that content look like, and what is age-appropriate? We learn, and we, there are some really good nuggets in here. Right, Chris? Right. Right. Yeah, there is for sure. And, and not only um, that, but she is a, a resource that you're going to want to get to know for within the industry. Um, we're going to be when she even to- offered, we'll have we'll have a link on there also for submissions to their new YA middle grade uh, uh, imprint called Wander. So there you get go. to know her, hear what she likes, hear what she looks for, and maybe find yourself submitting down the road. Awesome. This is perfect. Well, without any, any uh, further ado, we're going to introduce you to our first half of the interview with Linda Howard of Tyndall Publishing. All right. Well, hey, thank you, Linda Howard, uh, for being here today. Um, I'm really excited about this guest uh, today to have with us. I have actually known you, Linda, for at least nine years, not ten. I think we Yeah, maybe even a little more. Yeah, since I was at Focus, that's how I got to meet you. So, it's been a long time. So, Linda has had an exciting career, and a long time ago, she just had to kind of, she put up with me, really, is what it was. Uh, When we were working in relationship with Adventures Nazi at Focus on the Family, and she was at Tyndale, um, and so we were releasing lots of great kids' products, uh, and especially Adventures Nazi in our partnership through Focus on the Family and Tyndale. And she has moved into a new role a few, well, maybe a few years ago, three, four yeah, years five ago. Five years now. Five, oh, wow. Five years, years ago. <laughs> five years ago. And she is now the associate publisher at Tyndale Publishers for all children's, all youth, and also specializes on the Compassion uh, partnership that they have uh, with Compassion International, which I'm personally excited about, but we can talk about that later. Um, so thank you for being here, Linda. 
Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk to you guys and answer questions and anything I can do. Question. And this is fun for me because I get to meet you for the first time in the podcast along with the listeners and viewers. And it's a lot of fun to kind of, I've heard a lot about you from Brock all over the years as we've been going back and forth. He's always mentioned your name and I'm like, finally getting a chance to see you and, and meet you. So nice to meet you, Linda. That is fun for me too, Chris, because he has talked about you just as much. <laughs> <laughs> It's so, fun yeah. to get connected. That's a great thing. Excellent. The universe, I've known Chris also about nine to 10 years too in these two separate paths, both about writing, publishing, author, both friendships with you guys. Uh, so it's kind of exciting. Yeah, to have you guys together. So Awesome. Cool. Well, hey, I know we've got, we've got a kind of a, a bigger topic today uh, in the beginning here. So it might, we might be past our normal little 20 minute goal, but um, we, I'd like to really ask you, Linda, because I know as an author, uh, especially I focus on the middle grade and the children's publishing. Um, and one thing I even struggle with, and I know a lot of other, other authors do, is you know what makes what separates out the different types of books. So from a board book to a picture book, from an early reader to a first chapter book, what makes each one unique? How do I know I'm writing to the right audience? Um, you know, if you could just kind of break down at least those four. We'll talk about middle grade and YA maybe at a later time. Um, okay. What what separates them? How do I know I'm writing for that type of book when I get when I create my proposal? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'll just go youngest to a little bit older. So board books um, obviously really are for usually ages zero to three. Um, a lot of people love to read board books to their kids even when they're still in the womb, you know, because that's really yeah. fun to read to your kids. And I would encourage that. I did that with my daughter and she is 32 now and still a voracious reader. So that's a really fun thing. Board books um, usually are, I mean, you're talking maybe 500 words or so, really short and really simple. And the concepts need to be concrete, clear, and very simple. So, you know, talking about love, we have one coming up that's just called My Arms Will Hold You Tight. Um, and so it's just a great little book about a mom or a dad reading to their child of telling them how much they love them. Um, they can't really get a whole lot more um, as far as what they can understand at that age. I mean, you're just really doing, a cat says meow, a dog says wolf. You're doing those really simple, God loves me, all of those type of things. Um, and things that you can do. You have to also think about the illustration when you're writing, how can this be illustrated? So if you're getting a little abstract, that's gonna be a little bit harder to illustrate for a young young child and they need really concrete um, content and, and the things that, that you're writing for them. So yeah, I'm, I'm like 500, maybe six or 700 words at the most. And usually we're doing eight, maybe 16 pages. I don't okay. like to do 32, 40, all those pages, unless we really absolutely need to for a book that young, because they're not going to sit that long. <laughs> nope. You start reading and they're turning the page before you're even done. So very few words on a page, really simple, keep it, you know, so that you can keep it moving. The other thing I would say on both board books and picture books, and even first readers, you need to be thinking about the parent as much as you're thinking about the child, mm -hmm. because that parent, grandparent, in my case, are going to be reading that book probably 500 times. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
<laughs> it's so true. It's so true. So you want something that a parent is going to enjoy reading as much as a child is going to enjoy listening to. So keep your parent in mind too when you're reading books, when you're writing books that um, that a parent or a grandparent is going to need to be reading to a child. Well, yeah. let me ask you because because it's interesting because uh, you know I, I have I had my two picture books come out and then I uh, proposed another book, The Harvest House, and I hadn't even considered board books. And right. right away, Kyle, the editor, he goes, "That's a board book." I'm like, and I like I had just handed him like this one sheet document with like pictures, and it was very like you said, very short, straightforward yeah. words. It's called Bedtime on Noah's Ark. So. And that's all it is. It's just, it's just a bedtime routine. But yeah. I didn't think of it like that. And so that's why, you know, getting this conversation is so helpful because even yeah. if you're talking about that short part, you mentioned 40 pages. Would you really ever do a board book that's 40 pages? I mean, you mentioned that. Is that something? I never have. Okay. I have done a 32 page okay. board book. Okay. But that was a, um, it's an ABC book. It's called M is for Manger. And it's, um, it's pretty, I, I, have to, I have to brag on this particular book because of the authors. Um, they've taken the Christmas story and done it chronologically in alphabetical order wow. in rhyme and told wow. the story. And it's amazing. But you have 26 letters in the alphabet, so you really need the 32 pages for that because you need. I got to know, what was Z? Uh, oh, shoot. Zion? No, uh, hold on. <laughs> uh, that's okay. I'm sidetracking us, but now I I'm curious. I'm I, like... have, I have the book right here. <laughs> Z is zillions. Zillions of stars shown uh, in the sky, nice. but big and bright to tell the world that nice. Jesus Christ was born on Christmas night. There you go. Nice. There you go. Um, so that's the 132 page one I've done. Really, I love to stick with right around 16, even 24. The nice thing about board books, too, is when you're doing a regular uh, picture book or above, you've got what they call signatures. So you got 32 pages or 16-page signatures, and you have to fit within those signatures. You don't have to do that in a board book. You have a little okay. more freedom. You could do eight. You could do 12. You could do some of those things. So it gives you a little more freedom on the board books because you don't have those same signatures. So that's just a little probably not well-known fact that people, you know, aren't always aware of. So it's not well-known. And that is really helpful because when, uh, when Kyle got back, because I was setting up my other two books for 32 pages. So the Ice Your Sound, My Fair Smell, 32, had the signature figured out, what the yep. spreads would look like. And he's like, oh, we just need 20. Yeah. 20. Like that's not visible. Like, like really? Or, yeah, I, I was completely confused. That makes so much more sense. There's not yeah. necessarily an exact number. No, you don't. It, it's totally different with board books. So you can have a little Do, more freedom within that. Can I ask a follow-up question to something you mentioned, which I think was great, because us as parents, we, we do know we're going to read the book a thousand times, right? Yeah. So yeah. what are some techniques or things that we can do as authors to make sure that we are keeping the parent in mind? Is there some things that work really well for parents um, that, you know, or things to avoid maybe um, doing that, that would annoy us, that we may not be even intentionally, you know, tuned into, but we could be if we were thinking about it. Love that. Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest things you can do is read your own book aloud before you turn it in. Yeah. Because in, in your head, those rhymes sound perfect. When you read them out loud sometimes, it's like, what in the world was I just thinking? Yeah. That doesn't work, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and I would say find, find kids to read them to because you're going to see the interaction that that has. So practice, 
practice your book with other kids. Um, and a little bit of corny is really fun. But yeah. Don't go too far, you know, because parents are going to be like, I can't read that 20 times. Yeah. yeah. But, and just, yeah, just, just make it fun. Mo Willems is one of the kings of doing simple, simple books. But yep. making them, I love reading Mo Willems books to my grandkids. Now, yeah. Mo Willems is awesome. He's amazing. The Pig yeah. and Elephant, those books. And they, they're teaching really great lessons. I guess that's the other thing that's really fun, especially in a Christian um, setting, is what kind of, of lessons can we teach to our kids um, without it being preachy? Right. Yeah. He's teaching amazing lessons through those books. And they're, those kids don't even know they're learning great lessons. No. Um, so how do we do that? Because one of the things that we've learned is we've been out, I've been out talking to librarians and children's mm -hmm. ministry leaders parents are looking for all the help they can get right now in teaching their kids because many parents don't feel qualified. Yeah. So yeah. How are we helping parents teach their kids through the books that we're reading? And just thinking through that, what kind of a lesson are you teaching the kids through this book without going, so you should never lie. That's the lesson of the book. You don't want to do that. But teaching kids what the consequences are of lying or those type of things are just a really great way to help parents teach um, lessons in a really fun way that kids can it can it really sinks in yeah gotcha is there some subjects that are particularly hot right now that are like or maybe unaddressed that are needed right now that are like you know what we got plenty of christmas books we got plenty of this everybody's got enough of those but what like what is what is the thing that's missing or maybe what is the thing that is being trying to be cracked right now like people are really interested in solving the problem about I think um, diversity is one for sure, but I think we have to think about diversity in in ways more than just um, race. I think it's um, different uh, physical handicaps, mental handicaps, um, uh, you know, different things that people are dealing with, you know, that people are struggling with. Being able to help kids understand that different is not a bad thing. So, but talking about it's okay to be different. You know, we have a book called The Push and it's about two little boys. One is in a wheelchair and one is not. And they're learning, the little boy in the wheelchair feels like he has nothing to give. And as the book goes on, he finds out he has every bit as much to give because of who he is and what he brings to the table as a person, as anybody who can walk and has no physical issues. So I think diversity is one of those big things. I think right now, compassion and kindness in our society, oh my goodness, do we need to be teaching children that. Yeah. How do we disagree in a loving, kind way? Because we're all going to see things very differently, and that's okay. But how do we have those conversations without it becoming um, aggressive and, and angry and mean at times? So how do we help teach our kids to talk about their feelings in a really um, positive and, you know, a way that, that increases relationship instead of breaks relationships. And, and so, you know, and since we, we're kind of still on board books, but would you say, I mean, it's okay to start these heavier topics in the right, if you can tell them the right way with the right illustrations, even in a board book? I mean, does that make sense? Oh, I do. I think you can have those conversations. I think you can talk about being different in a board book. I mean, you can even do that with animals. You don't, you don't have 
to have people, you know, but right. you can talk about how, you know, Dr. Seuss did that and, you know, the, um, the Sneetches. The you haven't read the Sneetches, you know, talking yeah. about being different and how we're all the same. And um, I know that um, Nathan Clarkson just released a book about being, a board book about being different. Um, and I cannot remember the name of it. But I think you can start teaching those things young if you do it in really simple, concrete ways that we can teach kids to just love each other. I mean, really, that's kind of the basic of what we're talking about. Let's just really love each other and care about each other and care about each other's people. I think those are some of the things that we desperately, desperately need right now in our world. Yeah, yeah I love that. I love that. So, so with the board books on the aspect of the, of the size and kind of the context and the content even for them, I agree with you. As you mentioned, even these heavier topics, um, you know, I did. I read to Kinley and Elsie all when they were really little. Now, I only had two kids at the time, so reading to them was a lot easier. Right. <laughs> I have seen a difference, though. Elsie and Kinley, they love reading. And now I'm kind of like, uh-oh, Wavy and Declan. I haven't spent near much time because I'm dividing that reading time up against four kids instead of two. Um, but I'm really seeing that value of what it looks like when I read when they are really little. To when I'm not reading as often as a little, um, how important those early board books are. Um, and to what you said about parents, there are certain books that we have taken off our kids' shelf. Oh, yeah. Kind of hidden away because we're like, not that one again, and not three times in a row in the same setting, please. Um, yes. You know, we have our go-tos like Eric Carl. We love a lot of his stuff. Oh, there. yeah. Beautiful rhyme, easy to grow, you know, and, and easy to read. Um, and so we keep those there because those are great and, and, and great, um, great stories. But yeah. Okay. So unless there's more question on the board, but I'd love to kind of get a little bit on picture books. Like what does it look like for your, your hardcover versus your paperback picture book, your 32 count versus larger, smaller, 24. What does that look like for a picture book? And who am I, who's my audience for a picture book? All right. So you're really probably talking kids. Um, you can, they could start at certainly three and really picture books go up to seven years old. Um, but there's kind of different. So the three to five, I would say is one category of picture books. Uh, and then kind of that five to seven, the three to five are still going to be fairly simple. So you're talking maybe um, a thousand words or so, maybe 1200 um, at the most and um, still fairly simple. You're starting to get just a little more, maybe into some abstract stuff, but still pretty simple and concrete things that you're talking to kids about. Um, bright illustrations. You're going to want things that are going to really draw them in. Um, you still don't want too many words on a page because they're still not at a point where they're going to sit and look at a page for like 45 seconds, even 45 seconds. They're yeah. just not going to do it. Yeah. Um, so you really have to think about, you know, them. It needs to be um, yeah, just, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the ones that, I don't know if you've seen like the, the, um, the bad seed books. Yes. And good egg, good egg, bad seed. Yes. You know, those type of things where, again, they're learning really great stuff, but they're doing it in such a fun, really, in you know, just engaging way. I got to go back to board books for one yeah. second. If you haven't read Little P, I'm not even talking about my own books right now, and I probably should be more. If you haven't read Little P, you should read Little P. Adorable. It's yeah, I'm looking it up P. right now. Look up Little P. I've been looking up a lot of books that you mentioned. As I, you get here, so so yeah, I've never, heard, I've never heard of that, so that's going to be one off to check out. Oh my goodness. It's about this little pea who loves, um, can no, hates candy. And candy is little pea's food. 
<laughs> and so dessert is, you know, vegetables and stuff. And it's just such a cute way to teach kids about, you know, healthy food and stuff and to have those conversations. It's adorable. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think you're, they're sitting a little bit longer. They're, they've got a little bit better attention span. They can go into the next level of understanding, not just, oh, I love you, but why do I love you? Yeah. You know, like you're doing with your um, daddy's favorite smell and mommy's, I mean, daddy's favorite sound and mommy's favorite smell. You know, there's, there's a little more of that, a little more abstract teaching them a little more, you know, there's a reason. It's not, I don't just love you. I love you because you are who you are. I love these things about you and teaching them a little more and getting more into the whys and understanding that what goes behind it. Um, again, still though, really bright, just engaging illustrations for people, yeah. for those, for kids that age. And I, this goes all the way through. I'm gonna say it again though, you have, the parents have to love reading it as well. Um, because even the picture books, as they get older, they still want you to read them over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and, and not to be critical of my own writing, but like they're the, like, I'll, and maybe it's because I've read it so many times, you know, as you kind of work through your manuscript, but I'm like, oh man, one spread less, one spread less would have been, I think I mentioned, mentioned it to you before, Linda, right. I, I walked up through you like one spread less could have been okay, but I was stuck on a 32 count. Right. And then I'm seeing my buddies has like a 40 page picture book or something like, you know, like maybe it was Matthew Paul Turner for his bigger. Right. And then I right. like 24, like, oh, maybe 24 would have been right. Like just trying to find that signature count. But again, too, that's kind of like, and tell me this, because as we're talking to a lot of, you know, authors wanting to know when they write that proposal, will you like, if I, oh man, I don't know what it should be. I, I think this is a story. Are you looking at like, Hey, I want this author to have it fully crafted, know the spreads, know the page count. Or are you like, Hmm, that's a 24. No, this is gonna be a 32. Do you work with the author, the agent to go back to them and say, actually, we think it could be this count. Like, is that the kind of feedback, you know, you'll give, or are you and like, Nope, rejected doesn't fit kind of thing. Uh, we're, we're very happy to work with people. If we think there's a great idea there, that could be crafted into something even better. Um, I, we're totally happy to work with people. Um, and, and Lydia, you're, I, not a, you're not a, you're rejected kind of person. I say that knowing who you are. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, <saying> no. <laughs> but it's an important question because, you know, as, a, as an author who's not sure what they're writing, like, you know, they can maybe never get to that proposal, actually turning it in. It's a great idea. They can't get past it because they're just stuck and they're not sure how to overcome that. So, yeah. Well, and I think being honest with, you know, this is where I am, and I think this is the right direction, but I'm open to input, um, goes a long way with publishers. Yeah. Um, knowing that you are open to input really does go a long is, way. Is there a particular number of words to page count that you prefer to have, like a bounce? Oh, so it doesn't become too wordy per page or per spread, maybe? Um, um, so like a 32-page, you know, you know, spread a uh, book would be, you know, 2000 words or something like, I don't know. I'm, I'm throwing out numbers here. I, I haven't even done the math on that. But. Yeah. I would say for a, um, 32 page, especially for that three to five, I no more, like absolutely no more than 1200 words. Okay. Um, and splitting that out, you know, you know, like a, a couple of stanza, if you're doing, um, rhyming couple yeah. of stanzas, maybe a page. And then if it's not rhyming, you know, no more than four lines a page, right? You know, or you're you're gonna lose them. They're gonna yeah. 
you know, think... you're still trying to read and they're turning the page on you and, and you're ripping pages because you're like, no, I'm not done. And they're like, no, yeah. I am. Totally. We totally. Next picture. Yeah, we totally exactly. had that. We totally, exactly totally right. dealt with that. Totally dealt with that. And yeah. um, that is so important because your kids do, they're kind of on, like you said about the board books, right? They're, maybe that's why they're so much more durable too, but they're short and simple because at that age, they're, they're really just looking at the pictures and just consuming, they're listening to the words, but they're not consuming them in the same way. It's the picture, you know, connected to these words you're telling them. Exactly. Um, well, in, yeah. in a good a good picture book, having written to myself as well, like the things that I love as an illustrator and author is when the picture tells an additional story to the words. Don't just make the picture be exactly what the words are saying, yeah. because that 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 steals some of the imagination from the story. I mean, I feel like a lot of times some of the best picture books, there's things happening in the picture that make you go, whoa, like Dr. Seuss is great at this, right? Like yes. there's all these crazy things happening in the background that the kids just could stare at and like imagine there's a whole other little side storyline going on mm-hmm. alongside the text. So that way the text was special, but so was the, the story and the pictures. And so I think right. that's, that's a combination. I think that's really important. And I, I, the other thing I would say with that is that is a form of reading readiness for kids because they're looking at those pictures and they're telling their own stories in their head and so they're understanding how it all goes together and that is definitely a form of reading readiness for kids and i love when people do like you know you have the little mouse or the little whatever it is bird on every page and it pulls them in because it's like oh where is it on this page and where is it on this page and they're really engaging more your illustrations have to be engaging you have to keep the kids because if they're really engaged in those illustrations, then they're going to listen to you read longer too, because they're listening to you while they're looking. So how do you find really fun things in those illustrations, Chris, like you were saying, to engage them and pull them in and in yeah. expand the story in really fun ways. We actually have a book coming out that's completely wordless. That's all pictures. Oh, wow. Very, yeah, very excited about it. What's it called? What's it called? It's called Shine. Shine. Oh, you showed me a picture one time. You know, fun, amazing. Funny, uh, maybe Brock, was it you that introduced me to Hugo, uh, the adventure of Hugo Cabrera? Now that's a novel, but it's it's got sequences oh, that are all illustrations and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a big, thick book, yeah. but it's like, it's like a third of that book is just solid pictures in yeah. sequential pictures. And it was beautifully done because the story was like, you know, told half and half, you know, I I think that's pretty awesome. When I love that. When you have a talented illustrator who can do that, it's pretty, pretty phenomenal. It's really fun. I agree. And I think done right, kids are almost never too old for illustrations. No. If you do them right and they really fit what you're doing. Hey, graphic graphic novels are exactly that, like for adults and everything, right? That people are still consuming them at all ages. Absolutely. Yeah. Look at the Diary of a Wimpy Kid, all that kind of stuff that is, you know, that's middle grade. That's second to fifth grade. And those are, you know, there's tons of illustrations and stuff. So I I think the illustrations and the the, um, content go so hand in hand and build on each other and really... I, I love when that's done well. Right. Uh, it, it's awesome. That's um, the what do you do with a problem? What do you do with a chance? And what, a choice and a chance, I think, are the three. I, know you're talking, yeah. I haven't read those. Right. Fantastic. Um, 
what those illustrations do to bring that story to life and the way they fit together so beautifully, love, love, love those books. And those are, those would be your little bit older. Those are your more like five to seven year old picture book. Um, because it's a little more abstract, but it's great messages and great stuff for kids. So is that in the same series as what do you do with an idea? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. What do you do with an idea? What do you do with a choice? And what do you do with yeah. a problem? That's the three. Sorry. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Those are fantastic, I think. Yeah, a lot of fun. You, you mentioned earlier, Chris, and, and Linda, I know we were talking about the illustration and the, um, and the text here. And Chris, Chris is a double threat. He can illustrate and he can write. I can only write. So tell me about this. When I'm creating a proposal, and, I've, and I've, I've heard from both ways, my agent has recommended one thing, and I basically when I put my proposal together, I have my text, and then I'll put like a, a, a line on the top about what I see happening in that yeah. scene. Now, I, I like to think of myself that I am never locked into my idea, and, and hopefully you've seen this from working with me, is like, if, if, if somebody's got a better idea, let's make it the best it can be. And so as an author, if I'm putting in these ideas, is that going to happen? If I write, this is what the illustration should look like, is that always going to happen? Um, not always. Not always. Sometimes. For us, now everybody's different because I've heard stories from people who have worked with <laughs> publishers and stories, you know, people who have worked with us. We feel very strongly here about that it's a real partnership. Yeah. And if we're doing your book, um, then you have not um, signed away your book and just given it to us. We're doing this together. We're partners. Yeah it's happening together. So we want our authors involved all the way from choosing the illustrator to um, the art and the details of what that looks like. So we're going to have you help us choose the illustrator. We're going to send you the thumbnails to how we think it should go. We're going to take into account what you've sent us. We're going to work on that together to make sure that we're all on the same page together. Um, so I most of the time would rather people not bring me an illustrator Yeah, yep. because we also have our thoughts, but somebody like Chris who does both, they're bringing all of that in one package. That's a bit of a different That's story, different story. Yeah. Right. Um, but I would hope then that you'd be willing to like work with us on this is really great, but could we tweak this a little here and there working with my art director? Those are the types sure. of things I like. Yeah. And I we ask have that. a couple that we're doing right now like that. We have our God Made series. Um, so God Made the World, God Made the Ocean, and, and God Made the Rainforest, or the three, Sarah Jean Collins. Beautiful um, And she Beautiful. is both the writer and the um, illustrator. She's amazing. Yeah, they're I mean, gorgeous. These books are beautiful. Um, yeah. But she works with us. If we feel like there's something that needs to be tweaked a little, she's great about that. The other ones that we have are our um, Generation Claim series. So there's You Are tonight and then chosen is going to be coming out and mm -hmm. those are um they're scripture affirmations for kids basically so it's you are who god called you to be all of these things and then there's scripture and then she brought her actually it's her sister-in-law who's the illustrator mm -hmm. and um but we loved the illustrations so we we're like okay this is great so we've worked with them uh, the book that we're working on now, Chosen, they've gone back and kind of reworked the illustrations a couple times for us because we felt like it wasn't quite where it needed to be. Um, so mostly for me, the biggest thing is how well can we communicate and work together Absolutely. to create the best product? 
I feel like if I just take your book and I just make this book and you have no say so, then I'm not going to have as good of a book as I'm going to have if we're working together to make it the best that it can be. And it's the partnership I feel like that makes it better and makes it work the best. And, and I asked that question for that exact reason, because there are, there are some publishers who that's not the way they go. And so I just want to, our listeners right now, our, our, our authors who write the proposals, you know, when I create a proposal, I put a line in there, like, here's what I see happening that kind of yes. complements the text. But I also know, depending on who my publisher is, some will, like Hardest, they've been great. Hey, who do you recommend? Who has some illustrators you'd like to work with? And they let me give them a list and then they'll pursue them. And then they, right here, I'm holding up the thumbnails for Bedtime on Noah's Ark. They'll say, and oh my goodness, this is Lee Holland out of the ballpark, knocked out of the ballpark. And I'm like, that is perfect. They, they, does this fit? Does this, is this, but not every publisher is going to do that for you. So as an author, as you're putting these proposals together, you know, remember, you're, if you're just an author, you're creating that text to tell a great story and then work with your publisher to complement that. But don't get so locked up and stuck that it may not go exactly how you see because there might be a better vision for your story. So I just want people to be in that, yeah. that perspective that, you know, this is a partnership. Release yeah. it to your publisher. Let them take you support. And if you can't, that's when you look at self-publishing. And that's right. expensive when it comes to illustration. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is the first half of our interview with Linda Howard from Tyndall Publishing. And she, as you can tell, is an amazing resource for us. So I uh, yeah. hope you guys have enjoyed it a lot. Um, I know we're a little long today on this, on this podcast, so we're going to cut it out here. But uh, if you get a chance, go to thestorybiz.com. We would love to, to keep in touch with you. There's a place for you to fill out a form and, um, and submit a question for us as well to cover on future topics. So we will follow up on the next episode with part two of our part interview. Part two. Yeah, so stay tuned. <laughs>